0: So today we have Urshad Alamgeer with us. Urshad, I I would like to say you're a multi-talented artist and musician. But that would be a lie. (laughs) Because that is not the only sphere that I can use the word multi-talented to. Because Urshad is... A multi-talented artist who's trained in Indian classical music and has has transitioned into a large number of different genres from jazz to pop to other other different instruments as you would see on his wall behind you that there are a number of guitars which I know he is not only able to but more than able to perform with these. Urshad has also done uh, one degree in law, followed by two masters in different spheres in law. He then transitioned on to to music, music performance, music production, sound uh, production, and presently he sits in front of me as someone who is pursuing a course in neuroscience, I have to figure out which neuro, because there's so many Neuros, aren't there, Irshad? True, true. Ushad's uh, gonna come and talk with us today about what it's like to be resilient. So Urshad, welcome.
1: Thanks for the lovely introduction. I didn't want to stop you because you're giving your introduction, but I was feeling at some point whether I'm blushing or not.
0: <laughs> well, Isha, all of these things are true. So whether what, uh, you know? You, you, think, wow, this is, ah, I can, or not, it, it, these things are, are who you are.
1: Very kind, Isha, thank
0: you. just, just talk, talk me through some of these. How, how have you moved on or how have you started first?
1: Uh well I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My father was a businessman, and my mother and father they used to work. We used to have garments factory, garments industry. So they were more into exports in different parts of the world. So that's how I grew up, where I've seen there is no one who was a professional in with a particular career or anything. They're entrepreneurs and doing good. So and they didn't to be honest with you, they would give us everything that we need in terms of when they had plans with studies and other things, but most of the time they would be ignorant in terms of which class, which grade I'm going to, what I'm studying now. These are the things they didn't know because they spend more or less like their shifts was different because when you have busy shipment dates, you're working nights, days. So we would just turn up there sometimes and spend time with them. But Having said that, we were a close-knit family. So I have another brother who's in England as well. So we were very close-knit in a sense that every evening we had a routine that we would go out. And we had a sea beach there in my city. So that was a routine. That was the only place to be. And I grew up uh, in the 80s, 90s. Yeah. So no internet. So we had more connection uh, in the family, among friends, and in the society community everywhere. So that's how I grew up. And I was more of an athlete to start with. I used to play cricket. I played cricket for my school, for my college, for my uni as well. And uh, I thought that I would become a cricketer, to be honest. At the time, I wasn't a musician. I knew every time they would ask me. And in my high school, we had a couple of friends and we thought we were going to have a band. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how to play any instrument at the time. I would say, okay, I'm going to be the keyboardist he's gonna be the singer, that person would play the guitar. We didn't even know how bass guitar works. We thought, okay, that guitar, we can't even hear the sound. So we didn't know how important that was. But anyway, a few years down the line, what happened, it was my mother's inspiration. Uh, when I was on the eighth grade, some, some would say that it's a, it's a bit late to start. That's the time one fine afternoon, she just got up and like, okay, let's go out. I'll get you the instrument. Not the exact instrument, but this is called harmonium. She went out, she bought this uh, instrument because we need that in uh, South Asian tradition. When you're singing, you need a harmonium because we play the melody line and we sing on top of that. And she got a pair of tabla, which is a rhythm instrument. So because she had to borrow, there's a neighbor we used to have. He was not trained, but had very good voice. So he would come to our house and he would sing for my mom. So he said, I want my sons to sing for me. So, both my uh, brother and I, we had to start singing and taking music lessons, but on one condition. We said we would only do that if we would agree to give us guitar lessons as well. So, we started music lessons and guitar lessons both at the same time. We would have teachers coming uh, to give us lessons. And that's how we progressed. But at some point, my brother went more onto the guitar side. I got so involved with Indian classical music, I, I always have, you talked about resilience, I always have these things, whenever I find myself that I'm not good at something, and I can't do something, I find that challenge to be overcome, I want to see what's on the other side. So it started during that time, I couldn't reach high registers, I couldn't, my voice, it was changing at the time due to puberty, so there are a lot of issues, So I didn't enjoy listening to my own voice. And sometimes when I would practice, all the neighbors would even complain, (laughs) which my (laughs) mother would protect me from. So uh, that's how I felt that I had to do that. I left guitar for a while and I started just singing and it carried on. And yeah, uh, we had changed a few teachers here and there, but one of my, the last teacher I had, Uh, he's the major influence in my life. He introduced me to all the other maestros that I listen to, I still follow. So Mm -hmm. he's the one. And later on, as I say, always I take up challenges. So anything that I can't do, I have to do. There are a lot of things in the world that I can't do. But whenever I come across something that I like, I feel that I have to know about that. And when you start knowing, that's the main mistake I do in my life. Every time I start, knowing that particular thing a little bit I have to go deeper deeper then I get stuck yeah that's I, how I, I,
0: I think you 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 go a, a bit deeper than most people would in, in the yeah. sense in the sense that you you get to a level of of understanding of knowledge and of application before you you think well maybe I need to to change the attack or direction whereas I think a lot of people would not get to the levels that, that I know i mean we've talked before this of, of the level mm-hmm. that we've got to. Um, so is there something that drives you to to keep going beyond the you know the norm so if i if i picked up the guitar i'd, I'd tell you my my level would be I, I know three chords and that would be it oh,
1: so you play that's good no, no, I know, no, I know three know that.
0: chords, which is, is okay. not the same as playing. It is knowing three chords. Uh, I
1: think there are many chords. bands, by the way, even yeah. in the British music industry, with three chords, they won the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mean there's hope yet for me?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly.
0: So how how is it? Do you think that that you
1: push past that?
0: Those, those three chords.
1: I think. Uh, that I cannot get satisfied. I have always have a vision when I, because I first of all, I definitely get inspired by someone or something or a piece of music or an artist. And I need to sound like that, at least. Probably I will not be that good. But the thing is that I feel, okay, why am I not sounding like that? Until I enjoy my own singing, my own playing, I really don't find the satisfaction. That's one of my things still. Some days I really get depressed. Even when I'm practicing and I don't sound good, I am my worst critic, to be honest. And there are times when I used to, which I still do, I know it's not good, that I really am harsh with myself when it comes to that. That unless and until I can't do that, I'm not happy. And many times I've seen that audience can't tell. But I can tell. So when I'm not happy, I feel that, okay, I can't present that thing, whatever that is. People are pushing me, hey, perform that song, do that music. And if I feel I'm not happy with that, I won't do that. But my main thing, as you mentioned about guitar chords. So whenever someone picks up the guitar, the first thing they learn, songs straight away, songs after songs after songs. What I did, I started initially, I had a teacher, but then when I picked up many years later again, which uh, happened in England. I mean, it's been now two decades. So I started uh, doing a show on television. So I was a producer. I used to sing. But I needed someone to play the guitar on the show. So I would ask my brother every now and then to join me. But he had time constraints and he had his own issues. Like he wouldn't do this, he wouldn't do that. So at some point I said, okay, I know guitar. I have to pick it up. So I started practicing a little bit. I said, I'll just play some chords so i can back myself up. in doing so i started doing the same mistake again yeah. too much investigation that that's the uh, time when i started uh, self-teaching myself so i started taking seeing lessons watching hours of lessons and different styles some of the styles which you're not supposed to learn at that uh, basic stage i started learning those techniques unknowingly because I didn't know that you're not supposed to because if I had been to a teacher, he wouldn't give me those lessons initially. Yeah. But I was following those people because uh, later on I went to a uh, prominent guitar player and teacher as well, uh, academic, Martin Golding. It's, uh, there's a thing called sweep picking and he was trying to give me the lesson. I said, is it that? And he was, and he was laughing, he said, where did you learn that? <laughs> because before he could teach me, I already knew that. There were gaps. He, there are certain things he was showing me are struggling, but there are harder things I already know. It was interesting because when you are teaching yourself, it's not like a chronological thing. You don't properly follow the whole that tradition that, yeah. yeah. So I had to fill in the gaps. Uh, so Martin definitely helped me. So yeah, I always listen. I always go for the grammar first. If I'm la- uh, learning a language, Some people are like, okay, hi, hello, and certain sentence, they're happy with that. I want to learn the grammar. If I'm playing guitar or a song, okay, what's the structure? What scale is based in? I want to get good at the scale first. So, yeah, probably I could have done better in terms of repertoire, learning more songs, but I'm happy learning the basics, and I work on that, and that's one of the things. It's a a satisfaction, the vision.
0: Yeah. So that's really interesting in the way you've approached this with a a level of curiosity, uh, a, a great deal of self learning and self reflection, which I suspect has carried you through um, your your various careers to date. Yeah, definitely um, it helped. Because I can see behind you, like say, I, I hadn't spotted the, the keyboards, because is there one, two, three, four, four keyboard looking instruments? And, yeah. and I'm, I'm no musician. So when I say keyboard looking instruments, that, that's the level of my um <laughs> knowledge. And I will go no further than that.
1: The black and white keys, right? So yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um so you you you've you've approached things in a I would guess maybe not a systematic one, two, three, four, but you, you approach it from a depth of, of interest.
1: Yeah. Definitely,
0: and I think that that's something that that is admirable. Thank you. It seriously, is I want to to just segue into the the other aspect of of your creative personality, which is poetry. Mm. And, and I know that you've you've performed poetry in in public arenas, yeah. and you, you've also authored and written different poems
1: yeah so I started during my childhood
0: right just just talk me through how that's that's gone as a thread throughout your life
1: Uh, I had when I was quite reclusive I wasn't I was a little bit introvert basically when I was growing up I think so I would lock myself up and when internet came as well during the time dialogue internet, probably you remember that, so we I had my internet, my computer in my room, I had books. I built a huge library by the time I finished college, and not that all the books I read, but you know at the time whenever you read a book, I still have the same kind of uh, problem that if this room is full of books, I have a library in the living room. Thing is, when you read something, you find a connection to another book. Then you want to have that too. You want to read about that. So I spent a lot of time reading and a lot of time I would do my own things like practicing music, sitting there. And I would have friends. I definitely had friends at the time still now. They would come to my place. It's interestingly, I mean, they would know through this interview now. I would kind of think when they will leave (laughs) because normally at my age, we are more prone to being with friends. that's the normal uh, tradition people that's how people are like uh, during their teenage years. But I was kind of okay, my time's running out. I have to practice, I have to read this, I have to write that and, and I wouldn't tell them, but I would have there would be a silence that they would feel okay there's no communication happening, and they would leave <laughs> but i I definitely had friends they they liked my music and everything, but yeah, I spent time yeah. and through reading, literature is one of my greatest passion. Even when I was studying law, there had been times when during a lecture, I would be reading probably a theory by Romarola or something or literally, or even uh, Roland Barth, Heidegger, things like that. I would sit there and read things like that. And I had been punished as oh, well I'm sometimes sorry, in my class. I need yeah. to
0: stop you there. You're telling me you're doing law and you're reading philosophy while sitting in the lecture theater. Yep, now, I've done that. Now, now this is, this is um, proper multitasking, because you must have half your brain looking at, at patterns of, of law, and then half your brain looking at, at,
1: at philosophical concepts. How is that mm-hmm. possible with one brain? It's, now I've learned people talk about multitasking a lot. but i've learned recently many of the things i'm I'm coming across now and since my interest is in neuroscience as you already mentioned earlier i have come to know that it's not really possible for humans to do multitasking in a sense or at least end up doing very good at those tasks you can end up doing it somewhat uh, okay job but not really good at it so i probably what i have done yeah, I'm guilty of not really being attentive to my low lectures sometimes when I'm reading those books because that's my interest. Why do you think I would be reading another book if I was really enjoying the lecture? I mean, no offense to any lecturer, they were trying their best, but it's me. Yeah. So many friends would know that's one of the reasons that I would go sit at the back in the theater sometimes, in a lecture theater. So, but I had been punished at times because There had been a time when uh, it was a very interesting story. One of my professors, she got me out of the class because I closed my eyes because I read something and I was trying to understand that concept. And she thought I was sleeping. And she said, Esha, can you leave the class? You're not allowed to sleep in my class. I I couldn't even finish saying that I wasn't sleeping. I just closed my eyes to listen to you. (laughs) So anyway... So yeah, writing started when I was very young. I started writing sonnet in, in Bengali at the time. And I, another thing, when I started writing poetry, I thought, okay, it's not only about rhythm or the meter, that it, it doesn't have to rhyme. If it doesn't rhyme, how am I going to break that grammar? So I started learning about, I started buying books on writing poetry. So I learned a lot of different uh, meters, a lot of uh, different rhyming techniques and everything. Yeah, I had been through that, but now I think I write more um, freehand. I, be, it, it won't follow any particular rhyming pattern, meter patterns. I don't believe in that anymore. I feel more about the expression. But one of my favorite authors, uh, it was James Joyce. So I experimented with... Who else his,
0: could it be but James Joyce, one of the, the <laughs> most difficult writers that, that
1: anybody would wish. Tell to me about that. Wrap
0: that their heads around.
1: That's one of the things I think uh, it, it, it makes me understand now, anything that's difficult, anything that's challenging, that intrigues me still to this day. Sometimes a book, a concept, if it's not easier, I feel I have to know about that. To be honest with you, sometimes it doesn't really go to my, I I don't even understand, but I feel that, okay, why do I not understand? I always want to go to the source. So I think one of the problems we have in social media as well, since we were talking at some point, people like shorts, the algorithm works more in terms of like, if it's a one hour, 50 minutes video, people won't watch it i think we have mentally we have become a bit lazy sometimes probably i think it's it's a long thing or still now we really don't want to make too much effort whatever is easy that's why people probably watch cat videos dog videos all the time rather than you know learning a concept listening to a podcast so i i believe in learning new skills and when i start learning something i i like to go deeper because so i know that whatever i'm doing Right or wrong, even if I'm doing wrong, I know that I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I just don't want someone else to point it out for me saying that, Eshtad, you're saying this, you're doing this way, but this is not the right way because I don't know. I just, I just don't want to be on the surface. So that's how it started.
0: So you, from my understanding, be it the music or be it the poetry or like suspect other areas in your life, you're, you're setting your own standards. Exactly. Your internal compass of standards is what keeps you motivated and moving forward.
1: Yeah. And uh, a discipline as well. Definitely. I maintain.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I would like for you to, to share with, with people listening one of your, your poems. Um, and the one that caught my attention was in around the, the theme of freedom and for us for us in, in momentum, it's all about not just resilience for the sake of resilience of you know, how can you get up again after being knocked down, but for that sense of moving from, from wherever you are now, a mm. sense where you are, you're full, you're, you're flying at, at the highest possible that you can fly at with the sense of freedom that comes with it. So that, exactly. that's why I was look, I was particularly attracted by, by a reading you did, which you entitled Choose Your Fears.
1: Choose Your Fears Wisely.
0: Choose Your Fears. Ah, that's the key word. Exactly. Wisely. Yeah. So would you do me the honor of, of, of just reading that for us,
1: please? Yeah, definitely. So before I start, I'd like to give a little bit of intro about that. It's uh, I wanted to talk about freedom because uh, I was asked, I'm part of a group called BBPC, British Bilingual Poetry Collective, and we do performances, uh, different occasions. Now we have another performance coming on the 29th of January at Rich Mix. So this time I'm writing poetry on the theme of layers of language. So when I wrote this poetry, It was based on freedom because uh, Tower Hamlets Council, they had this festival and they were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the independence of Bangladesh. And, uh, but I decided to write my poem on the theme of individual freedom. One thing is that I feel that people are more or less, we are now, especially in the days of social media, we are more prone to making others happy. Okay, what's the algorithm saying? If I post that kind of a video, then I would get more likes. Yeah. So my creativity says, I want to make a music like that. But then this kind of music, people don't like normally. They don't listen anymore. So you're not creating it. It's affecting our creativity now because you are thinking the external voices are manipulating you from every respect. So that's one of the things I felt that it's very important now. And we are always scared. This scared that we lose the connection with people. This is a primordial instinct that we have. So that's why I said that choose your fears, the fears you have, choose it wisely. Otherwise you would lose your own self-worth and your individuality. That's one of my, uh, that's the idea behind this poetry. So I would like to read it the way I did when I recorded this. Please. Choose your fears wisely. You're afraid of the pariah in me. You probably hate me as a sinner. As you found sin in my freedom. The freedom of choice is a life of failure. It makes you secretly smile while you gloat feeling safe. How safe are you? Playing it safe would never actually make you safe. It keeps burning my hands over and over, playing with fire. Now that flame rests peacefully on the palm of my hand. We stare at each other, it smiles back. I look at its beauty, its color, its rage, and the serenity in the silence with bated breath. Everyone else laments my insanity. What is he doing? Laughs at me. Gives a wide birth to me. I have freed myself of the sneers now. The stares and the well-meaning tears of pity. I'm just being me. All masks off. I'm just being myself. Now you can thank me for letting you feel free to be you as I set myself free. The treacherous hydra that freedom can be. Choose your fears wisely. Thank you.
0: Thank you. That was was wonderful. Thank you. Oh no, no, that would not thank you. Can I ask um who are you who who were you talking to? There's, there's a dialogue going on.
1: It's it's with everyone else, even I was uh, thinking about the audience I'd be reading it to. Yeah. And I think everyone around us, every now and then I find people among my friends, my relatives everyone is going through the same restlessness. And especially as you know, the podcast I started knowing who you are and it's a channel on YouTube as well. The reason behind it, because every time I go back to my country, which doesn't happen that often, but in recent years, I've done it like back to back because my parents are there and they're not really in good health. I felt there's a restlessness among people and they they don't have any idea about their purpose in life. Is just get a job, how much money you're making, the competition, how much you are showing your wealth off on social media. This is all about it. End of the day, they get into a lot of trouble in their marriage, in their relationships, external relationships, extramarital affairs, things like that. Because when you're not sure about what you want in life, I think that's when the problem starts. And when you are too busy trying to please millions of people around you because on social media how many people are watching and every time you feel oh they might like this if I do my makeup like this if I wear this particular clothing if I wear the particular brand so there's nothing about the internal self-worth what you are as a human being on your own we are not thinking about it we're just thinking about what other might perceive of me what is their perception of me and this is what I have to project so until and unless it comes from within what you are or how you were born and what your values are. And we, when we forget about the self-worth, I think this is when all the problem starts. And so when I wrote this poetry, I wanted to read it out to people because it makes me think every now and then. We do a Sunday live stream as well. We get a lot of phone calls on that show. People talk about the problems. Say, for example, someone would talk about their relationship. Even they, when they talk to us, they found the problem because my plan is to let them see the source. That's all. I'm not going to give them any solution. I'm not in a position to give them. Even no one is, I feel, because you are the only person who can find the solution to your problems because you know yourself the best. I understand. So they talk about it. You feel that they already had figured it out. They again come with the same problem talking about the same issue. So this is when I decided that people are so scared of something so they can achieve that freedom. Because this freedom normally comes, I feel people think about, okay, if you become minimalistic, then you can achieve your freedom. Most of the time they forget that it's just a mean, it's not the end of life. Because main thing is to live below your reality. If you can do that, you can be happy. Say, for example, you have a social media, Instagram page, you're probably in a race to wear this particular brand of clothing or show off your house in a certain way. But if it's not your reality, you won't end up being happy. So that's when I decided that I would like to try to reflect some of those ideas in my poetry.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, extremely powerful the way you, you hold um, the ambiguity of concepts in, in that, that piece where there's a sin and the saint, the saint. I know you didn't use the word saint, but you used the word sin. Um, yeah. And then there's the, the fire that burns and there's that fire resting peacefully in your hand um, at a particular point within the piece. And so that that kind of um, moving back and forth between the two, along with the idea of saying, well, you feel you're safe, but actually the, the safety is as, as paper thin because exactly. the mask mask you're still wearing is, um, hides that. And so- the last
1: two years, we learned that. Yeah. Everyone thought they're safe. All the countries, superpowers, they thought they're safe. And we, it, it was proven that we can never be safer I mean we can never um, guarantee that we are safe there's always something lurking somewhere and anytime it can totally upend everything that you hold yourself and you think that okay this is what I'm all about but the next day it can change and I believe in the unpredictability of things now and pe- people are so much into this idea of certainty that's where all this uh, insecurity comes from so problem is that we 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 value our certainty above the variety in life. So this is what I believe in. And if you ask me, Ashad, how come you go into or jump from one discipline to another? Because I believe in the variety. I, I always think, I always remind myself that it's a short life. I won't be living forever. Before I leave and there's no an afterlife, I don't believe in that. So I believe in this lifetime, I, if I want to see, know about something, this is my time. Why leave it for? Because I won't have any other chance. That's my only chance I have now. So I want to do it now. That's the idea.
0: Yeah, yes. Uh, that, that's a very strong philosophy of life to, to have. That even if people who are not um, believers in, in something beyond, mm-hmm. they still have a fear that... that Stops them from tasting and seeing what is good in life. So exactly, and and that it takes it takes some courage and it takes some strength to be able to to move within the different arenas that you have moved through. I I want to to segue back to another thread that I know runs through your life, um, which is particularly relevant at this point in time. You know, we've gone through two years of, of a pandemic. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of people who are not as strong and not as fit as they they could be. And yet I know that within, when we've talked before, there are certain practices that you've had inbuilt for a number of years, which keep you moving and and provide a foundation for all the other things that keep shifting and that is fitness. So I just wanted you to to share something of what the word fitness means to you and how you've come to it and applied it to this present date.
1: Well, to start with, I I have felt over the years That fitness is almost like religion to me, what it is for a believer. Mm -hmm. So I almost feel I have the compulsion to do that. And now I feel it's down to, it's again, down to neuroscience, as we are saying, it's about incorporating the habits. And I think the habit is so much ingrained in me now. If I don't go to the gym two days back to back, I start feeling that I'm, I'm losing myself. I feel a little bit distressed, a bit depressed as well. So that's how fitness started. But I started back then, it started probably in the 80s, 90s. Uh, You definitely remember the movie Rambo, Commando, uh, Predator, Terminator. So I was a big fan of those characters, Sylvester Stallone and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I wanted to be like them. You can imagine uh, a kid of probably 11 or 12 and those muscle size, my whole body probably <laughs> of the, uh, the size of the arm. But at the time I started training and uh, again, self-taught. And I started watching or reading about it. At the time you couldn't watch YouTube. There's no internet. So I started reading, but good thing was that in the factory I mentioned, my parents owned. We had some people from uh, Myanmar. At the time, it was known as Bama. Mm-hmm. So they were part of the Rohingya community. You probably heard about them. Yeah. So they were in Bangladesh, these people, they were working for a factory, but they had their training. They Both of them, they used to know martial art. So they were very much uh, well-loved by my parents. They used to, after their work at the factory, they would come to our house. We had many people like that from the factory. They would do some certain things for us. So very like uh, domestic help or even some whatever they felt like, they were part of our family. So they had taken it up, these two people, I clearly remember. They made me a white belt. They said, okay, you will be white belt because you're learning first. And they would teach me moves and I would practice with them. So that's how I started my uh, fitness journey. And after that, I didn't have, um, I mean, I couldn't buy it's not about, uh, probably it wasn't available or I didn't know where to get it from. Barbells, dumbbells, things like that. So I bought two small uh, iron bars of the same size from someone who was selling uh, scrapped iron. So those were my uh, dumbbells.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I used to work out with them. Probably they were not of the same weight, both of these. So I started seeing my one of my arms. <laughs> it was getting a bit bulkier. The other one wasn't catching up so yeah i had been through it but again at some point uh, probably last five six years i started going to the gym regularly and but fitness has always been with me i would do something i was an athlete for a long time i used to play cricket i used to open i was the opening bowler opening batsman for my team so for many years that was my thing cricket was another religion which i had to give up in england So when I came to England for high studies, I started playing for my uni at the time. But then I felt, what am I going to do? Music. I started working for TV as well. I was studying. So you need to give certain time to do practice. And how much time do we have in a day? So I decided to give up cricket. I still play. Anytime I get a chance to play in a park with a team or something, I would do that. But yeah, I didn't follow through. That's the only thing. I, I didn't really carry on doing yeah so, so we, yeah, sorry, yeah. We,
0: found, we found something you haven't followed through or not we should.
1: Mm. It's, <laughs> then, it's due to because you can't do you this can't, for the you need to go out and also the practice i was doing at the time that that was the main reason uh the people i was practicing with their aim was their younger i would say teenagers 17 18 years old at the time their main thing was to bounce the ball so high it would go up to my uh, the height of my head Hmm. so i didn't i we didn't have at the time we were not wearing uh helmets so i was worried that i would get injured so i had higher priorities my studies my music and i was working for tv and i thought okay why am i risking my life so that's probably one of the driving factors. i haven't lost my love for cricket but i still can spend hours watching cricket. But uh, yeah, playing wise, I didn't, mean, I did mean, That's the only thing. You're, you're right.
0: Yeah. So le- let me just go back a bit to to The, um, the first sort of um, learning particular move, just what what were you learning?
1: Uh, for fitness
0: from, from the from
1: the um, the oh, from those in- two guys. Yeah. yeah,
0: what were you learning? Was there a particular form of is there a name to
1: it? Uh it's it's basically martial art they were teaching me. I was more into kung fu because of Jackie Chan at the time. Yeah. So, but he they were teaching me all martial art moves, kicks, high kicks, flying kicks, and things like that. So I was practicing with them those martial art moves, but in the background, I would have my own fitness regime that I would. I do weights, I would do push-ups, pull-ups. And at some point I started practicing with, yeah, I would have those two ropes and their two uh, iron rings. So I would just do pull-ups with those. So yeah, I I tried many things and everything was self-taught. And at the time I didn't have internet or anything. So I was just taking ideas from people who were doing it. And in my city, there was only one gym. And that gym, the idea, interesting, back in the 80s, 90s, In our country, I haven't seen that fitness was a thing that people have to do. It was more for the people who are into bodybuilding. That's the only thing. So you go to the gym if you're a bodybuilder. So if you are just want to, if you want to keep fit, you don't do that. You don't have to. But now, even when I visit my country for three weeks, I get my membership for a month. There are gyms, like two, three gyms in every neighborhood. So it's a thing that has caught up now. So back in the days, no. So I had to do it at home and my mother would always say, what are you doing? And she still tells me whenever she gets to see me, she's like, can you uh, decrease the amount of workout you do? Can you reduce that? Because I think you need to, because you're growing older now, you might injure yourself. I said, you're going the other way around because I won't get injured because I'm doing it. If I didn't, then I would have more trouble. Yes. So, yeah,
0: that's, that's very, very true. Um, what, what happened during the lockdown when you couldn't get to the gym every other day?
1: Uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's one of my friends I made at Kingston. Um, he, he's originally a Nigerian, but he, he grew up in England. So he's a fitness guy. If you see him, you can tell literally he looks like one. And that's just one of the things that he's passionate about. He can spend hours at the gym. So we we started talking. I said, what are you doing? So in terms of what are we supposed to do now? We can't go to the gym. We go to the same gym as well. So he said, okay, you know what? I have ordered some bands, resistance uh, bands. Yeah. I said, okay, give, send me the link. And he sent me the link. So I cleared up a space in my living room. So I started doing same one and a half hour routine during that time. Because as I said, it's not about COVID or you have to stay alive or anything. My thing is so long as I'm alive, I have to keep doing these things. If I don't do that, the fitness regimen, if I don't follow it, I, I get depressed. It's, it's, that's how it's ingrained in my own, whole personality. So yeah, that's how I started doing it. And I had a few weights at home, which I still have, and those bands. Yeah, I had done everything and I, I somehow maintained my shape. I think, what i did at the time because people might have get scared i got scared and i felt okay my time is over now because i felt many of my friends uh, many many of my friends died during the time from my network so i felt okay my time probably it's coming and i was ready i spoke to many people look if i die this guitar this guitar this is the value or you can sell it there I mean I told many uh, some people I rely on they know about this yeah. and I was decided okay I'm dying but just because I'm dying I won't give up doing anything that I do I kept on doing it every morning I would get up by eight o'clock I would take shower get ready fully ready and go to my studio spend probably nine ten hours at a stretch and my classes were on uh, so I was doing my postgrad classes as well at Queen Mary so yeah I I had a good routine I would say better than now
0: <laughs> so you your pattern
1: and your habits were, were
0: ingrained it just changed in 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 form or the the place in which you were doing whatever it was the, but the patterns were there
1: yeah and I think it helped me as well combating the virus I don't know probably at some point because I never got infected so far touch wood but first thing whenever i had, I had taken a vaccine people would get side effects mm-hmm. i never had gone through it i've done all three i've done my booster as well my partner she goes through this phase of six seven days and she's into fitness as well she was a dancer but yeah. i feel probably something happened inside that it helps me fight yeah. diseases i think because i'm not growing any younger so
0: yeah Well, there there is scientific evidence of um, exercise which increases um, the number of T cells and and natural killer cells within your body. Um, While they haven't tested it to date with with the pandemic, they have over the years looked at it from, from flu vaccinations where people who have exercised within the last six weeks of having a vaccine, the flu vaccine, Mm-hmm. use greater antibodies so that that link is is proven it's there for sure
1: okay uh, makes sense I mean I'm, I'm reading those uh, literature now yeah and I find okay there's a relation to it in terms of diet and staying leaner how it can uh increase your uh, you can live longer and how it can help you
0: yeah well, I don't know about the living longer bit but I know it can make you or help you live a healthier life
1: because it adds uh, years to your biological age because we sometimes think okay our chronological age and the biological age is the same if i'm 45 i feel like i might have a body of 45. reality could be i have a physique of probably a 65 year old or probably i have a physique of a 30 year old it yeah. can go both sides so that's how they say that you can slow down the process of aging with proper diet, fitness regimen, definitely it helps.
0: For sure, I believe that to be true as well. Um, so on, on that front, so if I said to you, "I've I've never exercised in my life," um, do you think I'm now I'm now the same age as you? Is there any point in me trying to do it?
1: This is something I've seen more or less in many people's psyche that they feel that age uh, is a barrier to the enjoyment of life and there there's no particular age as i look at it i've seen people who are keeping fit and you are really uh, into fitness as well as i know so this is important because when we know about the value of fitness here i have faced people and we do a sunday live stream of knowing who you are where we had received many phone calls people would say esha i know that you're into this how can I start uh, doing some workout. So I think as we are talking about, it's all about habit formation. So I, when I started doing it, I didn't know about those things. I wasn't aware of those concepts. I think we in the world globally, we didn't really think about those concepts now as it, it is now. we We know every literature is available for habit forming and habits and everything. So I tell them normally I feel that starting uh smaller portions of exercise like even for 5 minutes so you have a procedural memory that you know that it it slowly gets ingrained in your in your system so If you can get yourself to that because there's a resistance and you talk about it, probably you did limbic friction, probably you talked about, which comes from either we are too stressed or too anxious about doing that thing. Oh my God, I have to go to the gym. You get stressed straight away or you feel lethargic like, oh no, I don't feel like today. Give yourself an excuse not to go. So I feel if we can build that habit and visualization, as you said, it helps And it's proven scientifically as well, neurologically, because when you imagine yourself doing the things, okay, what do I do? Okay, I have to wear my gym clothes. I open the door. I walk out. And so you are teaching your brain. There are certain uh, neurons. So there are certain receptors. I mean, I'm not really, I shouldn't talk about these things, but what I have learned through my studies, that they become, they can help firing the neurons more often because you're already thinking about it even without doing it, but your brain learns. So whenever you give them the cue, okay, I'm ready to go to the gym. You probably take your gym bag and your gym clothes. If you're wearing it, straight away the neurons start start to fire. And then it, the resistance that you feel, the limbic friction, that reduces. Mm-hmm. So that's, wh- that's the way. So if they try to do a little bit every now and then, and many people through the show, I'm very happy to say that, they would just report back, hey, I've started swimming, I'm walking. I would just tell them, get out of your bed for five minutes. You want to see the sunrise, right? Just go out, see the sunrise, come back. Five minutes, walk in your, in your street, come back home, get under the duvet again, no problem. I mean, if you can do that, try to do that every day, five minutes, five minutes, and increase the time later on. And at some point they feel that, oh, I can do that. It's part of the habit. I want to see the sunrise and I want to go out for the walk, you know. So it doesn't happen overnight. So we can't push ourselves by building like five minutes. 10, you know, that, that's minutes. a
0: very sneaky thing to say. Mm. Because the, the odds are by the time you get out there and come back, you're not going to jump back in your bed. You won't. You won't. That, 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 that's a sneaky way of doing it, Shad. Yeah, tweaking the brain as well, yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to come and get any advice from you on on getting out of my bed because I'll never get back in my bed.
1: They're happy, but I I had the same thing Uh, yesterday. It happened. I didn't have quality sleep. But uh, when my partner, she was going to work in the morning, she said, okay, why don't you walk with me? I said, I don't feel like, I don't think I can do that. Then at some point I said, what am I going to do? I'll try to get more sleep which won't happen it doesn't happen after the daybreak and you feel that it, it never comes back so I felt okay push myself get rest and I'll do it and I did that even though I, I probably had six hours of sleep I wasn't feeling my 100% but by the time I finished I think my body felt refreshed and revived
0: yeah yes for sure
1: And there's mechanism as well I mean the blood rush to the brain and everything the whole thing gets activated so and Mm -hmm. fitness one thing I felt anytime I feel a bit stressed anything I'm worried about which I try to do less and less now I feel going to the gym straight away after the gym session my mind clears up it helps
0: yeah definitely so as, as we come towards the, the 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 back end of where we are now, Urshad, for this um, mm. this conversation, where, where are you going in the future? What what what's on your near horizon?
1: I, it's it's really cliched these days to say that, but I truly believe in the power of now, yeah. as Eckhart Tolle has a book as well, but. I don't really follow what is being said in that book exactly, but I have seen there's no predictability in life. You can plan for things, definitely we all should have, but you can't predict the next day. Anything can change overnight. So main thing is what I try. Every day, I try to aim to get a little bit better than yesterday. That's all, at least one person. Cause say for example, I'm, I didn't mention on this one, I am doing a bootcamp now uh, on coding as a web developer and I'm learning a different programming languages. This is self teaching myself as well, but the pro- bootcamp is part of the program. So I feel every day I finish a few chapters or at least one chapter, um, that one chapter wiser. I know something new, which I didn't know yesterday. So this is how I work on. So as you said, that I'm planning my postgrad in neuroscience because I want to go into research. I'm very much interested in how our brain works because we are our brain. It's not part of our body, but the whole brain, it, it controls everything that we do and our whole life. So I want to know more about that. So that's the goal now for the time being. And in the meantime, along the way, I don't know what I'm going to pick up, what else I would get interested in. But main problem is that to keep track of everything that you develop your skills on. I have to practice music. I have to write. I have to, I love to read. So yeah, sometimes it's it's hard and I want to get proper sleep now. As I'm growing older, I feel, I'm in my mid forties now. I feel now I, I know the value of sleeping. I mean, I used to get by sleeping four hours at night. I used to go to bed probably three o'clock practicing all night, things like that. I have stopped now. And my partner really keeps track of that. She would come to my studio, open the door and say uh, half an hour to go to bed, and <laughs> sometimes I don't feel happy about that, but I'm happy that she does that to me. It reminds
0: It's nice to have a, a living, loving alarm clock.
1: Yeah. And she's very systematic as well. She's a graphic designer. She, yeah. she can totally get carried on, totally carried away whatever she's doing totally lose track of time. I have to remind her sometimes, I I have to tell her, keep on drinking water, don't forget your food and things like that. Because since she's into this kind of things, as you know, knowing who you are for the podcast itself, she is uh, the editor of that. So after I've done the main edit, she would do the editing of the video. She's the main graphic designer and we have plans on doing that and she's doing her own courses as well. So yeah. It, it helps and we follow both and sh- she understands where I'm coming from. She respects that. So, and uh, there's no conflict in terms of that. I, I think one thing I would like to mention relationship. E- if you have a good diet, if you have a good fitness regime, and when you have, uh, you're in a good place in your mind, I think you can provide more uh, towards your relationships as well. And it's, it's important. For sure I and mean, if you're if you're not happy or grumpy all the time i mean people around you wouldn't be happy as well so it's it's important
0: my wife says exactly the same thing you're much nicer after you've been out and come back
1: <laughs> you, you're out, already you, nice.
0: you should go out more often uh, <laughs> i'm just yeah, going out
1: the word going out yeah it, it is quote unquote yeah, one day things.
0: she might change the lock when i'm out i don't know i get worried
1: <laughs> but you have to come back. She needs you after that, you know. Change Johnson after that yeah, half-hour walk.
0: Exactly. No, it's been fabulous talking to you. It's been same wonderful. here always. Um, I enjoyed it. So just as we go, um, I have two last questions for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The first one is, how do you find complete rest? What is your go-to place or or system or whatever it is to get, If I said to you, give me in one sentence, what does complete rest mean to you and how do you find it?
1: I think throughout the day it doesn't happen, I only get my rest when I decide to go to bed and which I try to do by 10 30 11 o'clock at night latest and I found for my body type, uh, it's chronotype that's what they call it, that mm-hmm. so I am Supposed to go to bed by eleven thirty. Definitely, I should fall asleep and wake up by seven. So I try to follow that, and that's when because throughout the day I'm always thinking about something. It doesn't happen, and I tell myself five minutes, shut everything, and just sit down, just spend time with myself. It doesn't really happen. So I feel that when I go to bed, that's the time I make sure that I get proper sleep. Yeah, that's my main rest.
0: Excellent, and lastly. Where do where do people find you on the online space or otherwise?
1: Uh, we have a website. It's called Knowing Who You Are dot blog. Probably you'll add that in the description as well. Yeah, well. And there's Instagram. There's YouTube. Everything is Knowing Who You Are, but we write Knowing Who You Are in a particular way, so it's easier to find if they write it that way. But we have the website where we have all interviews, all podcasts, all my work, my many of my poetries are there, my recitation. And also, I'm, um, we are trying to add because, as I say, with knowing who are, I want to build a community and you mentioned resilience and this is very important for people. And when people can find their own solutions, talking to each other and sharing their own experiences, I think life becomes easier than you don't, you're not uh, dependent on a particular specialist, a therapist or someone and you feel that you can't help yourself. In fact, we can help ourselves. So with knowing who we are, we, we want to show people that all the tools they need they have within themselves so we are trying to start to start with a page on that website knowing who you are blog uh where we'll have guest uh poets so we'll feature them we'll share their poetry so there's a reason for them to inspire them to come up with their creativity um totally independent of any kind of algorithm they just want to create whatever they want to create as an individual, they can do that. So this is the first step, but we have a plan of creating a hub, as you as you said, a creative hub, we call it. So with, for musicians, for thinking people, and even for people in general, they just come and listen to them. They can learn something and they people who, who will make them think about life. So that's the idea.
0: Excellent. Urshad, uh, I wish you all the best um in Thank the near you. and the distant future and i'm sure we will speak again
1: soon oh definitely we will and thanks for having me on your podcast i re- i do watch it and especially when you give instructions sometimes you have videos when it's just you and you make it so easy smaller chunks of knowledge and wisdom so i love that and keep up a- keep on doing the great work you're doing john